Well, Mr. George Sneeman is the founder and president of Hands at Work in Africa. He lives just outside Masoi, South Africa, with his wife, Carolyn, and the second of his four children. In 1994, uh, George left his suburban lifestyle in Pretoria, and he, uh, his wife studied nursing while he studied theology. And during that time, he walked through uh, six countries in Southern Africa, just uh, seeking God's will so that his heart might be burdened with what God is burdened with. In 1998, he started uh, the Masoi Home-Based Care, a uh, communi- community intervention ministry, uh, recognized locally, internationally as a best pro- practice model. And in, nine- in 2002, he founded Hands at Work in Africa. They are a Christian nonprofit organization working in sub-Saharan Africa, where HIV, AIDS, poverty are the highest and support structures are very low. Uh, They have a network of over 80 community-based organizations throughout sub-Saharan Africa where they uh, network together to serve and care for their communities and they're a bridge to congregations throughout the world so that they might go and serve alongside them. It is... uh, our privilege to have you here with us, George. We uh, we thank God for you, and uh, we want you to know you're at home with us. Uh, we want, we've been praying for this time and look forward to uh, God speaking through you to us. Let's give him a warm welcome. I'm glad you understood that. <laughs> it encourages me. <laughs> um, we need to trust God that you will understand my accent this morning. And if you don't, just go like this anyway. <laughs> Make me feel better. <laughs> what a wonderful privilege to be here. Thank you, Pastor James and, and the elders. And of course, um, Kenny and Hannah, uh, it's been so special to hear um, Hannah speaking this morning. I thought Kenny can be glad he didn't have to share after her. That would have been one tough act to follow. <laughs> and I feel intimidated to be here after her. And also Stephen, my friend, who's picked me up yesterday. And I stayed with him last night, and that was very special. It's the first time I've come to L.A., um, I've been trying to stay away here as long as I could. (laughs) And uh, eventually, um, I'm privileged to be with you in in a cornerstone this morning. I bring you very warm greetings out of Africa. Many people are praying for us right now as as I'm speaking, trusting God to, to deeply touch your hearts for the things that we firmly, firmly believe is deep in burning in his heart at this very moment um, as he's looking for sons and daughters to live out this amazing grace that we sang about so beautifully this morning. I will just take literally one or two minutes just to say something about Hands at Work. We 
maybe start it in a negative way to say, we do not see ourselves as an organization. We hate the word organization. We run away from it. We're scared of it um, because I think it brings so much death. But, but we're deeply, deeply relational. And um, we are living in a community or communities in Africa. We are from many different cultures coming together. Uh, most probably at any one time, at least 15 nationalities. 15, I mean, it's a big pardon. And we, we say our testimony is not enriching the children. Even though we're deeply passionate about it. We spent all our time, talent and treasures to do that. But our testimony is that we can live together in a community, in a culture that's higher than ourselves, our own culture. We believe that the kingdom culture, the culture of servanthood, the culture of regarding others higher than yourself, where a Nigerian, a Mozambican, and an American, and an Australian can live together in one place, and we can say we will serve one another. That's our testimony. And so we take very serious when God said, Pray like this when Jesus taught us. And he said, let your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. And I, we don't think Jesus would have asked us to pray that if he didn't want us to display that. And so that's, our, that's really our testimony. Um, when people come and visit them, we want them to see just broken vessels, just ordinary people that, that took that huge step to say, we're desperately hungry for a new culture the kingdom culture, to be servants of Christ. But we spend every moment of every day that we have in our work to reach out and to, we set a target to reach 100,000 children that today have got no hope. Children that do not have choices to make decisions. And that's because of circumstances like AIDS, war, poverty, or a combination of that. And um, we only work in completely dysfunctional communities. It's communities that, where people don't have choices to make. We only work through the local churches. We would challenge the churches. We would call them together and give them a biblical mandate on what Pastor James spoke this morning so clearly. You know, righteousness and justice is not righteousness and justice of two different things. In Psalm 89, it says, the throne of God is established on righteousness and justice. And righteousness is our relationship with God. That's a vertical relationship. And justice is our relationship with our neighbor. And it's vertical and horizontal. And together it makes the cross to be Christ-like. And, and you cannot have the one without the other. It's not as you can say in John Piper, I was privileged to have been in that session. And I can tell you the tears were coming down his eyes when he spoke like that. He said, you cannot, I urge you, you cannot separate it. If you separate it, you, you, you take some of God's heart and you put it one side and you say, I'm not going to display that. We cannot do it for a moment longer. We've got to live out the heart of Christ. And I believe that's what they want to do in hands. Um, we only work through the churches. But then we invite the church outside Africa to come in and to be part of that. But to come in as servants. To come in like Hannah so clearly explained. Just to be a mother. Just to be whoever you are. And that child receiving that love, that touch, that impact. To bring Christ through that. that is, that's what Hands at Work is all about. And uh, 
Years and years ago, I have discovered when I did this walk through Africa, I've discovered two things. I've discovered that Africa is dying physically. We are dying. Um, we've got 180,000 new orphans every month. Children, children of names who've buried their parents. I recently in Malawi, I walked into a, into a village in a hut and I went into the hut as three boys just buried their last parent. And, and the eldest boy was 15. And they, would, they came into the hut maybe two minutes before me. And as I walked in and I stood in that hut, somebody explained to me they just buried their last parent. And I stood there. And the mere devastation of what took place and them standing there, they, they were, it was like they were bomb shocked. They just stood there. And I just stood in a circle with them. And I just experienced for a moment that incredible, God, what now? The boy's 15. The youngest one was about five. As an adult man, as I stood in that hut, I was overwhelmed by just the thinking about tomorrow morning, those three boys are going to wake up and a guy of 15 is going to head up that house. He's got to find food. He's got to protect. He's got to keep the fire burning. I was so overwhelmed. But you know, I wasn't just overwhelmed by what I saw there. I was overwhelmed by what this means to me as a follower of Christ. My crisis was more about me and my faith than it actually was about that hut. My faith, my crisis was, is, is God's word true? When God said, I've sent Christ to bring life and life in abundance, does it matter to that orphans in Malawi that just buried their father? And how does it fit into our thinking back here in, in LA? And so we realize that Africa is dying physically. But as I many years ago walked through Africa and I met these people and I stayed in the villages, it significantly changed my life. I need to say to you, I studied theology for many years. I found Christ in the shacks in Africa. I found Christ meeting people dying who couldn't read or write. I found Christ in grandmothers sitting and staring at the sun singing worship songs the whole day. I found Christ when I met Josephine one day. I was just walking up a hill. It was a very, very hot day. For us, hot is super hot, okay? <laughs> I mean, where I come from, 9 o'clock this morning, it was 38 degrees Celsius. That was still the cool part of the day. And, and I walked up this hill, and, you know, we don't have running water. We don't have electricity. We don't have government grants. Those things don't exist, guys. They don't exist. Now, top of the hill was a water point. That's where people walk to go and find water. They will stand for hours waiting for water there. That day as I went there to go and find water just to throw it over my face, um, I met Josephine. She was about 22, 23 years old. And she had this huge container of water that she was going to carry back to her, her shack. And she had a baby on her back screaming. In the heat of the day. And, and Josephine was trying to pick up this water. Which normally any African girl can pick up like that. But she couldn't. I could just see how she struggled. She was coughing. And she was skin and bone. And I walked up to her and I said. Can I carry your water for you? 
And it started a relationship that changed my life. You know, we can walk past the most significant things in our life in our spiritual pride and busyness in the world. And we can miss Christ. We can miss Christ. That day when I took that water and I carried it to her shack and I sat down in her shack and there was nothing. It was the third day that she and her children didn't eat. She had three children. And she started sharing with her, with me her life. And the simplicity of her faith, the rawness of her life in Christ in the midst of dying. Her husband that was a migrant worker that brought the virus back, died earlier. You know, men normally just curl up and die. Soft. They cough twice and they did. <laughs> it's the truth, you know. Women hang in there. Because of their children. They just hang in. They refuse to die. I've, I've been with so many women where I say to them, I will look after your children. You can go. They, they're incredible. And there I sit with Josephine. And they haven't eaten. Josephine was shaking of hunger. And I, I would go there in a month to follow. I would go there whenever I could. Just take something. Food, blankets. But you know what? I was even selfish in my reasons. Because when I went there and I would sit in a shack with Josephine. I would just sit close to her, staring at her and sucking up Christ. Christ was, was evident. He was tangible in the times that I was with Josephine. I want to tell you in Matthew 25 when it says, Whenever, whatever you do to the least of these, you do unto me. There's a much deeper mystery and reality around that than any of us can grasp and understand. I want to tell you that there's been so many times that I met people like Josephine where I sit with them in a shack and I see Christ. I see Him. He is truly hidden in those people. We've tried our best to look after Josephine and her family. And I remember the day that I walked in, 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 a, in a village. I was busy going somewhere else. And somebody just shouted at me. Hey, they call me Sipo in Africa. They said, hey Sipo, have you heard Josephine died last night? You know, it was like I lost a sister. It was for months that I wrestled and struggled. That Josephine died at 24, way too young, way too soon. But I didn't just weep for her death. I weep for me, losing somebody that introduced me to Jesus in a way where I've never experienced him before. Her baby at that stage, her name was Tlantla, non-Tlantla, which means lucky. Well, there was nothing lucky about her child. She was desperately ill. She's just lost her mother. And Carolyn, my wife, and I took her to a clinic day after day, fighting for her life. We left her with her grandmother, who already had five other orphans. And slowly, step by step, Don Tlantla and her family tried to put their lives together. I will never forget one Christmas morning, just before I went to church, I, I ran into the village and I went to go and visit Don Tlantla and her and her grandmother and other orphans and they were in this kitchen and they had a huge um, coal stove 
And as I walked in, they were just taking out their biscuits for Christmas. Just simple, simple dough little biscuits. But the whole family sat around the table. So much expectation, so much joy. In the midst of all their pain, they could hold on to small things in life. You see, we've got so much stuff, so much stuff, that we lose Christ in all of that. That's why we only want to talk about him. It's so cheap, you know. They only want to talk. I want to tell you about Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. And I want you to be safe. And that's all good. But then we want to get out of it. Because God forbid we get involved. You see, that's why righteousness and justice goes together. Where God said, but you will love your neighbor. You'll get involved in their pain and their hunger and their hurt. Because it's not just good for them. It's good for you. Because in those moments, you find Christ. You find reason for living. You become grateful for small things. You know, I can't, I can't stand in a hot shower. This morning, I showered at 6 o'clock in Stephen's house. And I had to turn my volume down the whole time. The moment I get in a hot shower, I burst out in worship. Because I realize, <laughs> I realize how privileged I am to have a hot shower. I know, because people are walking, like Josephine, will walk for five kilometers just to get water to drink. I find Christ in those times, and I realize the depth of his love for me. But the responsibility I have to pour it out. So, Klantla, yeah, I was on Christmas morning, sitting around the table with them, enjoying that simple little dough cookies, just giving praise to God that He gave us His Son. For unto us a Son is given, a child is born, prophesied 800 years before His birth, to the day. Oh, what a glorious Christmas morning I had in that family of pain and hurt. You know, I went from there to my church, an affluent church, maybe very much like this one. And I need to tell you, it was kind of empty for me there. Because it was just all about me and my stuff and what I need. So, we want to break that. We want the church out of outside Africa to receive this. So as Africa is dying physically, may I dare to say this morning that North America is dying spiritually. You know, we lose 30,000 kids a day. Can you imagine that? A day. 30,000. They say by far the majority of them could have been saved for less than a dollar. One dollar. But the dollar is not available, so they'll die. I think that's criminal. I think it's antichrist. I think that's a blemish on us as a church. Season where we are wealthier than any generation in mankind. But I think you are most probably also losing 30,000 young people a day, spiritually. 
And I found that when those two worlds collide, when this world who comes to serve physically, to get involved and just to do something, when they meet the Josephines, when they meet those orphans, when they meet Nontlantla, it's not just them giving physical support, but it is them receiving spiritual life. It is when the two comes together that John 10.10 burst out and become real, and there's life and life in abundance, and suddenly... um, Hannah and her team will come back and everything will be new. Everything will be new. And they discovered how grateful they need to be and how deep and real God is. And when last did you really trust God for something? When last did you have no option but to say, God, if you do not come through today, we die. That's real in Africa. That's real every day. God is big in Africa because we don't have other insurances. Romans 10, 14 to 15, listen to this. But how can people call for help if they don't know who to trust? And how can they know who to trust if they haven't heard of the one who can be trusted? And how they can hear if nobody tells them. And how is anyone going to tell them unless someone is sent to them? That's why scripture exclaims, a sight that takes your breath away. Grand processions of people telling all the good things of God. I met Lucky when he was seven years old. Lucky was what they call a long-term survivor. A boy, because his immune system was so depleted, he was nearly white already. I met him when I went to go and visit his grandmother, who had just a horde of orphans. And Lucky just sat under a tree there, staring at me. I went to him, I went down on my knees, and I touched him, skin and bone. The first moment I touched him, an electric shock just ran through my arm. He was so real. You are so real in my life. And Lucky became my best friend. Lucky wasn't in school. The teachers told him that he couldn't come to school. He was going to die anyway. And there was no place for him. The school was too full. So every morning I will go and pick Lucky up with my pickup. And he will spend the day with me in a field. Sometimes Lucky will be so weak that he cannot stand. He will just lean. They had a big tree next to the hut. And he will just lean like this against the tree until I get there. And I will get out of the pickup. And I will go and pick him up. And I will carry him and put him in the pickup. And I will get in. And he will just put his head on my legs. And then for a moment, we will make eye contact. And he will just at me and it's such a deep love just a depth of of Christ that moment and then I will work and Lucky will go with me wherever I go Lucky stayed in my house the month before he died he will sleep in a mattress next to mine At night, 
I will hear how he suffers. And I will put my hand out and touch him. And every time I touch him, an electric shock will run from my arm. You know, he became part of our family. He will do everything I do. When I, t- when I take the food from my children that they didn't finish, then he will take food from somebody else. and He'll do everything. He would imitate me. You know, just before he died, he took me to his eldest brother, his older brother, and he went to him as if he knew he was going to die. He said to me, he called me white father. He said to me, white father, this is my brother. Look after him. Seven years. You see, I never preached Christ to him by verses. I preached Christ to him with my life. And he gave me so much of Christ. He died to the day, three years after his mother. And you know that funeral in the community was huge. Lucky was the last one that was left of his family. Of this specific mother. And that morning at the funeral, I held the funeral and everybody, it was like the father was bidding his son. And the whole community came together. And Christ was there. People were encouraging each other. They were praying. They were saying, we can look after each other. We can do it. Let's stand. And Lucky's life was a huge testimony of God's love. This is the world today that you are living in. That's beautiful feet. God say, my dream is that people that follow me in their hearts will have beautiful feet and they will go to places to touch, to allow the pain to cut deep in them, to allow it to happen, to be the salt in the earth of the light. I've called them to be the salt and the light. Then that mystery of God came from heaven to earth to bring you the good news. You were all luckies, completely depleted in your immune system, no hope. And somebody burst into your life, I hope, if you don't have that assurance of salvation, maybe today should be your day. But you know, if you understand that, if you really, really understand what Christ has done, you will be compelled to do that. 
suddenly I read the scripture and chapter after chapter after chapter I read. Jesus saw the multitudes and he had compassion. Jesus saw the widow and he had compassion. Jesus saw and he had compassion. Compassion. Compassion is a hallmark of the follower of Christ. It's not Auntie Susie making soup on a Wednesday night. If you do not have compassion, I question your salvation. If God's heart is pumping in your ribcage, you will be broken for this world. More than you'll be concerned about buying the next gadget. So when you go to Africa, you discover actually that with all your gadgets, you are naked and desperately poor. And you need Christ more than Josephine who hasn't eaten for three days. Because in all the stuff that you have, you are so poor. So God has called us. In John 3.16 he says, For God so loved the world that he gave, he gave his only begotten son. So that you and I this morning can have salvation assurance. But 1 John 3.16 say, Now that you know the truth, you ought to lay your life down for your brother and your sister. How can you say to someone that you love God and you see your brother and in need you do nothing? 1 John, John the disciple who was beloved said, You're a liar. It's not possible. John say in 1 John 3, 17 and 18, he said, Therefore, not in word, but in deed, let us laugh. Let us laugh, because God has showed us what love was. This morning, I want to challenge us. I met Dolly. She's already buried two of her children by the time I met her. She was merely 25. She was dying. I spent six months with her before she died. About three weeks before she died, her last child died. I was away that weekend. I wasn't there to help her. When I came back, I discovered that Dolly buried her last child under her bed. Because she just couldn't find a place to bury her. She didn't have a strength. And me and Dolly took the child. We went into their garden and we buried that child. And I held Dolly's hand as she died. Her tears couldn't come out anymore. She couldn't cry tears anymore. But one of the last things that she said to me, he said, I know that I know that there's a God who loves me. And it's because people got involved in Dolly's life. Dolly's mother is like a mother to me. She's lost seven children. And I go to her whenever I can, but especially on a Christmas morning, Carolyn and I will go there every Christmas morning and we'll take gifts to her and we'll sit with Dolly in her house 
And then we will remember all seven her children. She was remained alone. But Dolly spends her life, Dolly's mother spends her life looking after other people who are busy losing their children. Can you imagine walking with people like that in the streets? I call them diamonds in the dust. The whole of creation is groaning as it's waiting for God to reveal his sons and his daughters. To walk this earth, to bring life, to show that Christ cares. Who is Christ? He is the Alpha and the Omega. He's the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the final amen. He's the breath of life. Christ, our creator, our deliverer, our everlasting father. He is God. He's the good shepherd, the high priest, the holy one, the image of an invisible God. He's a king of kings and the Lord of lords, majestic and mighty, and no one compares to him. The only begotten son of the father, full of grace and truth. He's the power of God, the resurrection and the life, the supreme sacrifice, the way, the truth. And a life, the very word of God made flesh. What an awesome privilege to know him. And the few moments that we have in this world to live him. May I close with a challenge. Anthropologists will tell us that they look at ancient tribes and then how they find their God, their God that they want to worship is that they will worship animals that symbolize their own traits and values. They will find an animal that represents what they want and they start worshiping that. George Bennett Shaw said, God created us in his image and then we returned him the favor. And I want to leave that with you. We've got a right to reject Christ. He gave us that right. It's amazing. He said, choose life. But we do not have the right to turn Christ into a middle class American. Because then when we worship, we actually... And we do not worship God. God is who I read He is. He is the mighty one. He is the resurrection. He's an incredible God. He's the Son of God, born from a virgin. He rose from the dead. He's worthy to be worshipped. But I think, like in the ancient days, people turned animals into their gods. I wonder if we haven't taken the real Christ and turned him into a middle-class American. And if we have, May God have mercy on us. And if we have not done that, are we his hands and his feet as he's called us to go into all the world and to baptize people and to bring the good news and to teach him what he commanded us and what did he command us to do? Love the Lord your God of all your heart, your mind, your soul, and all of in you. And love your neighbor as yourself. That's what he commanded us to do. 
And that's what we must do. Lay down our lives. As I remind you this morning. That you are not a citizen of the United States of America. You are a pilgrim here. You are a citizen of the city. Of which the foundation is laid by God himself. And do when I look at your life and you look at my life, can our lifestyle, our checkbooks, our time spent, does it display that truth? Your time, your talents, and your treasures, are you entitled to them or are you entrusted with them? Too much is given, much will be demanded. May God have mercy on us as we humbly walk it out. Live it. Every moment of our lives, loving God, spending ourselves on our neighbors, because great will be our rewards one day. Let's pray. Father, you gave it all to us. You gave your only son. You loved us and you gave. And you said if we understood that, we will follow in your footsteps. We will be like your son. Each one of us have been adopted as orphans. You have adopted us into your family. Your family business is a business of adoption. Reconciling men to God and men to men. I pray that your message will burn so deep in our bones today. That you will tattoo it deep in our spirits forever. And if we are lovers of the world, Lord. Lovers of the things of the world. Today I pray that we will draw strong lines. That we will know that those things will kill us. It will destroy our children's inheritance in you. That we will not store up for ourselves things that can rust and be robbed but that we will store up for ourselves things with eternal value as we spend ourselves to reach out to those with no hope, to display Christ. And the world will be stunned to silence when the sons and the daughters of the living God take their rightful places and our feet become beautiful feet. How great is our God. How great is our God. We want to live every minute, Lord, to your glory. In Jesus' name. Amen.